Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Christian Hunters of America podcast. we got a special guest, Bobby Boydo, in studio today. He is the executive director for Safari Club International, better known as SCI. He's going to be talking about the newly formed Phoenix chapter. SCI is based out of Tucson. It's a huge conservation group that's been around for 50 years. Uh, they are a leader in defending the freedom of hunt and promoting wildlife conservation worldwide. A lot of you know that they have chapters in all 50 states and in multiple different countries. Bobby's going to shed some light on all the different things that they do from the ground up as far as legislation, having lobbyists, having different individuals talking with game and fish departments or Department of Natural Resources or state and local governments. We got to have people like SCI, and as he describes it, SCI is to the hunting industry and culture as the NRA is to our Second Amendment rights. Without having um, SCI in this world and legislating for us and being a voice in order to keep our hunting rights, our God-given rights here, as well as being able to educate foreign countries and show them how important it is for their economy, how important it is to have non-residents as well as people from different countries, whether that's Canada, whether that's Mexico, whether that's African countries, South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, SCI is there in order to fight for those rights, in order for hunting rights to stay alive and well. And like we said, um, SCI has been around for over 50 years. They're a huge, huge uh, conservation group that's a part of defending our, our rights to hunt and promoting wildlife conservation. Bobby uh, has been a part of SCI for quite some time, and he's going to shed light on his experience as well as what it's going to take in order for the Phoenix chapter to grow. And uh, we're here to support him. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to another episode of the Christian Hunters of America podcast. This is your host, Chet Gray. Um, we have a special guest in studio today. We finally have someone that came in person. We don't have to call them, so we hope you uh, can hear a little bit better. We've had a couple um, suggestions on different audio and whatnot because, uh, unfortunately, it just doesn't come in as clear when we are talking them on the phone, but we have Bobby Boydo. And uh, he's going to be our special guest. We have Mike Ornoski, as always. How are you, Mike? We are doing great. It's a beautiful day when it's 60 degrees in Phoenix, so that's a good day. That's <laughs> a good day. And we have Bobby Boydo. He is the executive director for the um, Safari Club International for the new Phoenix chapter. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thanks for having me here today. We were catching up off air a little bit, and uh, like always, we forget that we don't hit record and we're just trying to introduce and 
you know, do some small talk. And Bobby's sharing so much good information about what Safari Club International does. Um, a lot of people have misconceived or um, just preconceived notions of what different hunting organizations stand for and what, what they represent, how they benefit hunters, or whether or not they have your best interest. And I can assure you that SCI has our best interest at their heart. They are protecting our rights. They are fighting the good fight, whether you live in Arizona or not. They are in all different states. They represent us. Um, and I don't want to steal Bobby's thunder. He's got so much information to share. Bobby, if you want to introduce yourself uh, briefly and then uh, tell us everything on uh, getting the Phoenix chapter stood up and then all your experience with uh, the Tucson chapter or the Arizona chapter that's based out of Tucson. Again, thanks a lot for having me here. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you guys. Uh, yeah, my name is Bobby Boydo, and I've been a life member of SCI um, uh, over 10 years. I've been involved with Safari Club International for over 20 years. Um, been real active in Southern Arizona. I was past president of a few hunting organizations down there, and, uh, and then I joined the Safari Club International Arizona chapter down there. And uh, went up through the ranks and ran that organization as president for quite a few years. Um, I asked for someone else to step up. Nobody wanted to. So I said, well, I can be the executive director and get paid for this. And, and again, my passion is, is, is what leads me, you know, what drives me on this. It's not the money. But uh, um, so I ran the chapter for, for a few years, uh, I think eight or nine years. Um, in those times, uh, you know, one of the things we look at with Safari Club International, the ability to, to spend the money, you know, each chapter spends the money the way they see fit. And uh, Southern Arizona, just like the rest of Arizona, there's a big need for water. Uh, so we've been involved in building a lot of water catchments, whether it's financial help uh, and volunteering also. Uh, we're very big on education and uh, bringing in new hunters uh, especially the youth and 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 the females also the, the women uh, you know to make it a family uh, get together a family sport um, so with the Arizona with the Phoenix chapter um, you know things kind of went the wayside uh, volunteering people get burned out and whatnot um, so I talked uh, Abraham Pacheco I talked him into taking over as president of the Phoenix chapter uh, because it was pretty much, you know, almost non-existent, really. I mean, uh, there was one person left on the board, and she just didn't have any more time to run it. And so I convinced Abraham to take over. And Abraham got involved uh, with Safari Club International by bringing his son down to the youth camp, uh, the junior deer camp, uh, Nathan. And so I helped Nathan out. Um, you know, he killed his first deer. Uh, with me down there and, and with the group. And uh, so Abraham, you know, he took over as president. Um, and then uh, I, uh, so he took over as president. So in the meantime, um, I retired from the Arizona chapter of Safari Club International. And uh, uh I put together, you know, he put together a, a couple board members 
And so I interviewed with them and they hired me as a director here, the executive director here in Phoenix. So that's, you know, um, I see there's a big need uh, for Safari Club International presence again here in the Phoenix area. Um, you know, the, there's just, there's so much that needs to be done. I know there's other organizations that do a great job around here, um, but they're animal specific. And uh, um, we're, we're everything involved, uh, actually worldwide. Uh, one of the things that I, I say when I do give a talk, especially like at hunter safety courses and stuff like that, um, in front of anybody um, is Safari Club International is what the NRA is for your Second Amendment gun rights. Uh, the NRA pretty much is the front runner. Well, when it comes to hunting and conservation rights, Safari Club International is the front runner um, worldwide, really. Absolutely. So talk about conservation. So one of the found foundations of SCI is conservation of wildlife. So I know that's one of the pillars. So talk about why that pillar of conservation and making sure you're protecting all species, not just individual species for what's good for the species without, I think you used the term earlier is you have to remove your emotions and actually look at, you know, my words would be is the big picture of what is best for that individual species and wildlife as it relates to, you know, it's, it's being you know, wherever it may exist. Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of times, and you know, you guys have hunted long enough and been around long enough too, that, I've heard many times, you know, people say, how could you shoot a poor, you know, pretty deer? They're such beautiful animals. But at the same time, they'll say, well, you can shoot a javelina because they're ugly or they knock my trash cans over, you know. Um, conservation is, is about every animal, uh, big or small, uh, whether it's, it's a, a rabbit population, you know, in the Midwest uh, to anything in Africa, uh, New Zealand, Australia, Anything that has to do with conservation, you know, um, we want to make sure, Safari Club International makes sure that if you're going to come up with an idea that, that this animal might be extinct, might be in trouble, we want scientific research. We don't want emotional thinking. And too many times groups come up with emotional thinking, like the, like the notion of, you know, mountain lions are, are becoming extinct. Most of those people have never even seen a mountain lion let alone know anything about them. You know, they're, they're, they're mainly nocturnal um, and they're, they're real shy animals, you know. And if you don't get out into the country that they exist in, you're never going to see them. So you're going to have that notion that, that there's, there's not very many around. Exactly. So I'm just thinking as a hunter, I mean, I'm 50 years old now, hunting pretty much my whole life, and I spend a lot of time in the field. And I can count on one hand how many lions I've physically glassed up and seen while hunting. And I bet you it'd be the same for you. I'm assuming you've hunted a long time too. Correct. And I bet you in all that time in the field, we're talking hundreds and maybe even thousands of hours in the field with binoculars, glass, focusing, looking for animals. You would think we'd be picking up lines constantly on every trip or every third trip. That's not the reality, is it? It is not. It is not. It, um, they're, again, they're real shy animals. Uh, they're, they're mostly nocturnal. Yep. Um, you know, a lot of times you can even go to somebody's house and not even realize they have a cat in their house. It's kind of the same thing out in the woods, you know. There's mountain lions probably watching you almost every time you go out, but they're just real sneaky, you know. Yep, yep that, exactly. That they are. That's why they're such good apex predators because most of those 
prey animals have no idea that they're being stalked and the people that do have encounters with them um, are either just by chance getting to see it and consider yourself very fortunate and lucky to be able to witness one in the wild. And, um, yeah, you see a lot of the videos that are gone viral lately of, you know, people confronting them and yelling at them uh, with a handgun while they were hunting something else. And that's, you know, not the norm. That's not the norm because they are more often than not going to leave us alone. It's true because think about social media. How many people are taking videos and posts and once a year, once every other year, we get this random post, this lion doing this crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. So you think about millions and millions of videos constantly being done out in the forest and people are camping, enjoying it, and get one video of a, a crazy mountain lion, that, this interaction that dominates it, that's the norm. Right. Which is not true. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's what, you know, Safari Club, uh, they have a very strong lobbying uh, power in Washington, D.C., um, they have an office there. They make sure that that congressmen and senators and anybody there, um, you know, is doing the right thing, doing their research, doing their 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 counting, you know, their their um, and and not thinking anything on emotions, you know. That's the that's exactly what you're talking about. When everybody that's been a hunter long enough and had any type of interaction with a non-hunter, a lot of people take offense to you displaying that animal, whether it's on the ride home or showing the antlers. And there's been some education and there's different thoughts of, you know, how to be discreet so that you're not, you know, publicly showing that. But you also are proud of that animal that you harvested and that you're going to eat. So there's like, you know, a little bit in between, but it is our job to educate the non-hunters because it's such a greater population of people that don't hunt than do. And we want them on our side, the people that are in the middle that are the voting population. We want them to be on our side because if everybody that didn't hunt voted against our rights, a lot of those rights would be taken away. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. And, you know, and we're seeing it more and more, you know, worldwide. Uh, Again, Safari Club, SEI um, deals in that in in every aspect, in every country. where you're getting more and more of the younger generation that's just not being educated on 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 the importance of conservation. One of the things that that uh, um, is very rarely said is no animal that has a hunting season has ever gone ins- extinct. That's, that's huge. Point. That's a great point. Yeah, it's a great point. Yeah. It's, that's the reality. That's the truth. It's the truth. You know, it's it's conservation at its finest. That's true. Because then you could even probably take that even deeper into history of those animals that we didn't have season regulations that were wiped out, you know, in, in the terms of very limited resources, they have rebounded by leaps and bounds. You know, if you go back to the 1800s with the buffalo and the turkeys and things like that, because I know there's a history there where there was very few left, you know, right. especially the plains, we just got on the plains and things like that. So Yeah, correct. Uh, you, know, on, you know, in countries in Africa, you know, like Botswana, not too long ago, they, they banned hunting and, uh, the poaching and, and, uh, you know, the, the people that own their own property and stuff just went crazy and, you know, and, and took whatever they wanted with no conservation in mind. Botswana opened up again because they know that hunting, you know, not only does it help financially, you know, and, 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 and provides jobs, but 
it keeps those animals there. That's what a lot of people don't, that's, I think, our biggest argument for people that aren't in the hunting world or don't like hunting. Hunters are the biggest conservationists to me because all the money that's generated that goes to Department of Natural Resources, our state game and fish, or or the lobbying, or like Africa. I think a lot of people's bucket list is to go to Africa, and a lot of the information lately within the last 10-plus years has shown that those countries, their economy is thriving, and the farmers or the people from villages are doing better financially because of the hunting industry. You can shed more light on that, but um, to me and my own little research that I've done, it shows that you have a lot of people here that, like you said, the emotional response. They see a, a male lion with a big mane and, you know, what cartoons and what shows have have portrayed that or a giant majestic elephant and a, and a big uh, giraffe, kind of some of the stuff that we've talked about off air and it tugs at people's heartstrings that aren't it's not that they're not educated they're not they're a little ignorant on the fact of where those animals are in their lifespan and where they're at in the reproductive cycle for that geographical area where that lion may or may not have been out on its own because younger males have come on over and you know if they didn't kill it it's been kicked out of that pride and it's on its own. And the people there on the ground know that information. Same with the rhinos, same with giraffes, same with elephants that, you know, these big majestic animals that people look at differently from a national geographic movie or, or documentary versus someone posing with it. And then a lot of that meat gets donated to those villages. So you're feeding them, you're feeding native people in those countries that are in those tribes, in those villages, the money goes there. And then you're also employing people with the anti-poaching and all those game rangers have jobs because they know that those animals sustain a big portion of the economy and having those animals and not killing them off just to feed your family um, is going to be self-sustaining for, for generations. You know, and I've seen that, Actually, here in, in, in southern Arizona, where I've seen javelina, you know, that are by themselves. And those are old male javelina that are kicked out of the, the, the herd, you know. Um, I took one one time. Uh, I was watching this herd, and, and, and there was a trailer coming up behind him. And a couple javelina would run at him, snap their teeth and stuff, try to bite him. And, and then he would just kind of fall behind, and but he kept following the herd. And I eventually snuck in and took him with a bow, and he was just a big old male, had no teeth left, you know. I mean, that poor guy was just trying to keep up, you know, and survive, and, and he was not allowed into the herd anymore, you know. Um, you know, so, I mean, it, it happens on, on every, every level, really. You know? Right. We, yeah. It's on a bigger international level that people think about there but that's a that's a great topic that you talked about that you see some of these prey prey species or even predators just mm-hmm. species that we're hunting and you see that here that's a perfect example of it taking place right here in Arizona and if you're out in the field or you listen to 
a wildlife manager or game warden or, or scientist, they can explain that instead of just, oh, you know, someone out day hiking happened to see one by itself and saw a hunter take it. They don't understand all the all the intricacies that go into that specific animal being by itself and why it has no teeth. And mm-hmm. same with, you know, you, you take a big mountain lion, you take a big tom or you take a big uh, lion in in Africa and you're pulling the jaws apart, you know, one to inspect it, one to, to look in, over your trophy and, and just be in awe. And you'll see, you know, those premolars and the canines and the all those teeth are worn down is such a good indicator that that animal is is old and past its prime, and that's one that is perfect for hunting to take out of that population. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, one of the other things that that Safari Club does also um, is educating, especially the youth. You know, um, we're real big on 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 uh, hunter safety course. Uh, you know, Arizona, um, they're not they don't charge for a hunter safety course. You know, you sign up and you you take the course. And so what we try to do is is uh, sponsor it, you know, whether they need ammunition for their range day, you know, some money for books or whatever, um, or just some drinks, just some, you know, some at the end of the, I, I've been involved in some of the hunter safety courses where at the end of the course, you know, graduation day, you know, we've, we've provided money where they, they uh, buy a cake and soda and stuff, ice cream, you know. Yeah, it's a big accomplishment. It's huge yeah. for the kids to know. Yeah, and they celebrate sure. that, you know. It's true. And so one of the other things that it comes to mind, too, is is uh, with the Region 5 down in southern Arizona, um, you know, they would reach out to us all the time uh, to the Arizona chapter. And uh, um, they asked us for $300 to do a study on Mount Graham on those squirrels, you know. And, you know, and so – Backing up a little bit, the, the the advantage to Safari Club International is, you know, every chapter has their largest fundraiser. Um, out of that, uh, out of your largest fundraiser, thirty um, percent of your net goes to Safari Club International headquarters. The other seventy percent stays in within your chapter, and and you spend it the way you see fit. And so again, you know, with the Arizona chapter, um, you know. $300 went to a squirrel study in, on Mount Graham. Um, we bought a robo deer for $1,500. bucks. Yeah. Um, that's cool. And, you know, and I asked them, too, uh, when they when they approached me, I was president at the time, and, and they asked me, they said, hey, you know, we, we, we want to buy this robo deer. And uh, I said, I'll be glad to write the check. I said, under one condition, though, I, I want to go out and watch. Yeah. <laughs> and were you able to go and, do it? No, I was never invited. Oh, you know? man. You know, it's just probably liability reasons, but, yeah. uh, and that's for poaching, I'm assuming. That's yeah. For, yep. yeah you know, road yep. hunting, you know, yep. get, and, and so in talking some of the WMs, you know, back then they were like, yeah, you know, that thing's got a couple bullet holes in it, you know? Yeah, sure. And it was the tail would move and the head would move back and forth. And, and, uh, you know, and it was a nice little three point, you know, probably about a 70, 75 inch coos deer, but yeah. they'd set them off the side of the road, man. And guys would shoot it, you know? And, and so, you know, we, we provided a lot of funds that way. Um, yep. Uh, one of the guys uh, uh, approached us one year, uh, Ben Brochu, and he said, we need an equipment trailer down in southern Arizona because we keep having to come up to Phoenix to get the uh, 
the equipment trailer and and, and that's to work on on uh, existing water catchments and stuff like that. You know, they had a welder in there and they had a cement mixer and stuff. And he says, uh, um, I did some research. <laughs> Excuse me, I did some research. And uh, we have a trailer that we want to buy that's got heavy-duty axles and a heavy-duty frame, you know, for all that equipment. It's $10,500, you know, can you give us some of that money? I said, I'll give it all to you. I said, under one condition, though. And he says, what's that? I said, we put our name on it, you know. So we put in big, bold letters, Arizona Chapter Safari Club International, on both sides of the trailer. Yep. They still have that trailer down there because I see it when I go to the office. And uh, those are the kind of things that, that SCI, um, every chapter does, you know, programs like that. Um, being involved with, you know, being a region rep. Um, I've talked to other region reps in the country, um, and I've asked them, you know, kind of the programs they do. Um, you know, most of the most of the, the chapters in the United States, they have youth programs, whether it's an archery shoot, maybe a dove shoot, a pheasant shoot, um, you know, anything educational, you know, getting kids involved, um, they, they do. And one of the things that, one of the first projects that, that, that we did here in the Phoenix chapter is uh, we partnered up with the San Carlos uh, Reservation. Nice. And, and, uh, and so we reached out to Tim, and, uh, and I asked Tim, you know, what can we do to help you guys? And so we met down the street over here at Cabela's uh, this past summer, and uh, he says, well, I have, I have a hunter safety course. He says, I have 10 kids, you know, going through that course. And he says, and I want to I wanna outfit them with, you know, backpacks and stuff like that. And so we said, okay, you know, we'll meet you at Cabela's. And, and so myself and Abraham and Albert Bedoy, the vice mm-hmm. president, uh, we met them there. And, and we bought 10 backpacks, 10 compasses, 10 water bottles and stuff like that. So we basically, about, it was, I think it was about $1,100 of equipment that we bought, mm. you know, for these kids, each kid to have. Um, you know, their own backpack and stuff and, and essentials, what they would need, um, you know, and. And I'm sure their smile was from ear to ear. <clears throat> yep. Yep. Exactly. You know, so they graduated from that class and they, they basically have their start, you know. Yep. Um, so. That, sure. And that's real big. That's the foundations are youth, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, they're our, our future. You exactly. Know? And, and they got to be inspired and, and find that you know, why we do what we do when it comes to conservation and hunting, you know, instead of just sitting inside playing a video game and never going outdoors and, and understanding, you know, hunting, you know, and what it means to go camping and the wildlife and all the things that kind of happen to it. So, yeah, being one of the founders of, of the uh, the youth camp, the junior deer camp in Tucson, uh, down there in Southern Arizona, um, being one of the founders of that, one of the things that I've noticed that is really big to me is that, is that kids that hunt are more disciplined than, than, than what I see normally on the street, in the malls, whatever, you know, you, you, sure. you go down to that camp and you, you said you were at that camp and those kids are so disciplined, you know, they're, they're, they're so respectful, you know, um, I, I've noticed it's, it's really different, you know, and my 10 year old grandson just went through the, uh, the hunter safety course and he just shot his first javelina uh, on opening day and, nice. and, uh, you know, it's his life. It's, it's yep. what it's all about for him, you know, and, and, uh, love it. 
Yeah, and he is a very disciplined kid. You know, my son has him on a very short leash, <laughs> which is good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's good. That's how I have my boys. Yeah. Well, it's true. <laughs> it's easy to go astray nowadays, and there's so many avenues and paths that kids can take, and if parents aren't careful and don't watch them, um, you can run astray. And I think, like you said, hunting and being outdoors, one, being in shape and just – getting to to be in God's country and knowing and being taught the conservation, the responsibility of taking care of those animals, having dominion over them, and uh, having that God-given right in order to be out there and just enjoy nature as a whole. And they learn, you know, the patience. You're learning how to be patient when you're stalking. You're learning how to sit in a blind or how to be quiet. And those are life skills that can that can carry on in the future and they want those animals to be there for their kids, you know, in 20 or 30 years. So that, I mean, we do a lot of the mentor hunts, um, a lot of educational aspects as well. And it, it pays dividends that we've seen. And you guys are doing it on even a much larger scale in multiple States. It kind of leads me to the next question. Um, you guys are based out of Tucson and national headquarters is there, correct? With the big museum. That's correct. Uh huh. But you have are are there chapters in all fifty states currently? There is, yes. Uh huh. That's awesome. Um, some chap some states. Uh, Michigan has ten chapters. Believe it or not. Wow. Yeah. Um, last time I checked, the Michigan Bow Hunters uh, chapter was over eleven hundred members. Um, you know, hunting's big. You know, hunting is really huge, and. Uh, yeah, those kids get days off when it's opening season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that doesn't happen exactly. here in Arizona. Yeah. In fact, one of the things that SCI was involved with, too, is uh, I believe it's Virginia. One, a couple of those states don't allow hunting on Sundays. And uh, and there's been a big push to uh, to allow that, you know, to get that going. Yeah, if kids are in school, that's one day that, that they can't go. Right. Um, right. Yeah, if you're only off on Saturday and Sundays – then that's taking 50% of your time away. Yeah, yeah. And if there's a big enough draw, I mean, if there's a, enough people pushing for it and you have a, a Safari Club International uh, chapter in your state or in your town, why not bring it to their attention if, if they aren't already aware of it, right? Sure, sure. And, that, you know, and, and that's the thing with Europe is is finally catching on more, too, on on, uh, on chapters and 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 SCI and what they stand for and what they do. Um, I know there's been a couple of the, uh, um, the vice presidents, the president, the CEO have gone to Europe and they just had a big, um, almost like a convention um, over the summer over there. And it was well attended, you know, I think it was in Austria. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's word is spreading. And so one of the things that I did, um, yeah, I have an outfitting business, and I outfit in Mexico, in Sonora, Mexico. And so I, I have dual citizenship, and and I was born in Mexico, and I'm fluent in Spanish. And through my outfitting business, um, I've heard a lot of a lot of the complaints of what happens in Mexico and what doesn't happen, you know. And one of the biggest things is ammunition and owning a gun down there and stuff like that. And so um, I met up with Laird Hamberlin, which who is the CEO of SCI, and, uh, and it was almost like we were on the same page without even talking to each other about it. I said, Laird, I said, we need a chapter in Sonora, Mexico. 
we need we need SCI presence in Mexico. And he looked at me, he goes, I, I wanted to talk to you about that. We, we were at one of the August board meetings. Uh, we were in Nashville. Um, and uh, when I approached him, you know, and just walking down the hallway. And, uh, and he says, uh, you know, what needs to be done? I said, well, we need to start a chapter. I said, first in Sonora, Mexico, you know, because that's where I'm, I'm, I'm more familiar. And, and so I got a chapter going down there um, in Sonora. And, and to convince the, 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 uh, the members, you know, like the outfitters in Sonora and, and to the hunters and just the general public is I've told them, you know, SCI is the leading group in conservation and, and the ability to deal with governments uh, on, on a lot of aspects, a lot of issues, you know, like, like guns and ammunition and conservation and stuff like that. And so we successfully got a chapter going in Sonora and uh, I don't want to stop until I have a couple other uh, chapters. Uh, Chihuahua's next. And then Coahuila is the uh, farthest East state. I'll probably do a uh, Coahuila and Chihuahua chapter together. Um, unless I know that there's more interest down there. Coahuila is right below Texas. Um, so again, you know, I, I feel, I feel confident that SCI and their lobbying ability, you know, I mean, they, they go other, see other governments in other countries, you know, whether it's Africa, Australia, you know, um, stuff like that. Why not into Mexico? And one of the things that SCI did is, uh, in Australia, you had to be a member of some kind of organization to own a gun down there. And so they were able to lobby it uh, and, and, and sway the government that, okay, if you're an SCI member in Australia, you can own a gun. And that's one of the th problems in Mexico right now is that um, you have to belong to an organization, and there's only two organizations in the whole country, and you have to pay your dues to them but they don't do anything for you. They're, they're named like the NRA here in the United States, but they don't do anything for you. And so we're trying to correct that too. So That's important. Um, we take it for granted in a lot of places when we go there to hunt, you go to Alaska and you're just that close to Canada and things are much different, you know, in the Yukon or Northwest Territories or British Columbia. That's uh, a huge hunting presence and there's a huge hunting presence in Mexico. A lot of people may not be as familiar with it, but everybody here in Arizona knows the desert bighorns, the Goulds turkeys, giant, you know, desert muleys and giant 100-plus-inch coos deer down there that everybody drools over. <laughs> um, it, it is important. It's, you know, people don't think of it, but that takes your vision to take it to the next level and, and being from there and being bilingual and being able to explain it to them um, culturally, you know it as well. It could, you could be fluent in, you know, German, but if you don't know their culture, it's, you know, it doesn't convey or doesn't come across the same. Same with Mexico, same with any other country. I think that goes a long ways with knowing how they feel and how it would impact them. Um, I, I applaud you for that. From from that standpoint in Mexico, are, is there as big of a hunting population down there, or is it more of outfitters that are letting other 
non uh, non residents, more Americans or other people from outside of Amer- uh, U.S. come there? What is that population made up of in Mexico that is the SCI chapter? Well, uh, in Mexico, um, everybody hunts. At least everybody tries to. Okay. Mexico's all private property, though. Okay. Um, you know, you you can't you can't draw a tag and go to a unit down there. You know. Right. Uh, you have to know the rancher. You know, you have to know the owner. Um, but there is a big population of hunters down there. That, uh, and then of course the outfitters. You know, is huge. You know, because it's 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 a big you know boost to the economy. You know, the season's going on right now, and and uh, it's just getting started really. The season just started, I think it was November 24th, something like that. It's always right around Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, and the season runs through the end of the middle, the second week of February. Um, but then there's other, you know, like the sheep and stuff like that uh, is farther out. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big industry. Yeah, people going down there and not knowing the intricacies of customs and going across the border – filling out those documents, having the insurance, having that proper paperwork in order to bring your car, your gun, the side-by-side. There's a lot that goes into that. And having someone like yourself that is squared away and knows what to do can go a long way, especially <laughs> if you're you're wanting to hunt that private property, a rifle hunt or, or archery in the middle of a coos deer rut would be incredible. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Yep. Yep. Well, one of the things that, that, you know, that's high on my list is, is, is the ability to buy ammo down there. Um, you know, we, we really want to change that. And, and, then, and then there's some stuff, too, like what we talked about with the mountain lion. Um, about four years ago, the Mexican government just said, you know, no more mountain lion hunting. You know, and they're like, why? Because there's no, there's, they're almost extinct. Well, no, there's not, you know, and so there was a big to do about it, you know, and, and, uh, and so they said, okay, we want to see trail cam pictures of, of the mountain lions on your ranch. We need to make sure the date stamped is right, you know, and we need coordinates of where you have that camera on your, on your property. And so they got flooded with, with pictures, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of mountain lions down there. There's a ton, I bet. Yeah. You know, and, and it goes back to that where, I want to get SEI involved and, and to be able to to come up with the correct research, you know, and 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 the, and the correct verbiage on how to approach a government, you know, and, and anybody that's opposed to that, and and work on that, you know. Science based research and not not pulling at the heartstrings, and right? Like you've said numerous times, no that's important. Yeah, no yeah. emotional. Do it on the on yeah. the science based. And then one of the things too that that that. I just found this out. We just found this out last year, I believe. Is you can take a crossbow into Mexico, but you can't have a scope on it. Interesting. Why? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> you know, yeah. There's, there's the old Kentucky windage on the on the crossbow. Yeah. There's no yeah. there's no rhyme or reason to stuff like that. You know. Yep. And that happens worldwide, though. You know, I went into Yukon um, 2006. I went to hunt doll sheep, and. Uh, and my plane was late getting into uh, uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, and uh, and there was an office there that uh, I guess it was kind of like a um, customs office, and and it was delayed. And then the lady says, "Well, I close at eleven, and at night, 
you know, and I would have missed my flight, you know, by not going through this customs office. And, and I made, you know, I said, Hey, you know, I've been in line here, you know, you've, you've been slow here, you know? So she let me in and she asked how many bullets I had, you know, and I had 40 rounds and she says, how much does it weigh? And I was like, mm, five pounds. She goes, good. Cause that's the maximum allowed. Wow. Where did that come from? You know, where yeah. did, and some of these crazy rules and laws, yeah, you yeah. know, and, and we have that same problem. You know, people ask me, you know, what's it like taking your gun into Mexico? It's actually easier to take your gun into Mexico as an outfitter, as a hunter. I mean, you know, you, you, your outfitter gets your gun permit, you know, um, you go across the border, you present it to the military. They, they, they check your serial number and they sign off on it on the way out. You do the same thing. But in the United States, when you come back through customs, um, in Nogales, they'll, they'll say, you know, you can only bring back 50 pounds of meat and it's got to be boned out. Well, why 50 pounds? You know, a mule deer can weigh 200 pounds. You can get 100 pounds of meat off that thing. Why only 50? And I've never seen them weigh it. Interesting. But, yeah. And then uh, there's different forms that, you know, the notice of arrival form. And if you get on the U.S. Fish and Wildlife website, um, they don't update their forms. And, and we've had issues where they say, well, this is the outdated form. You know, you need the new form. Well, give me the new form and I'll gladly fill it out. You know, and we had one customs agent. She said, no, you, you have to get it yourself. I said, well, we don't have a computer with us and we much less, you know, we don't have a printer. and You can't use electronics when you're in U.S. Customs anyways. And so she caved in and she goes, I'm going to let you slide this time. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and all those things kind of re reiterate all those things that you're talking about just as an outfitting business or going as a hunter, SCI fights for those types of rights all over the world. Correct. Much less our 50 states that are near and dear to our heart. But if you have this dream hunt, in Mexico, in Canada, Africa. in South Africa, you want to have that. You want to be able to be able to go there and have those rights continued. You need that research. You need those people lobbying. We don't have the means to, to communicate with foreign governments, and you need to have someone that's skilled in that in order to educate the people, educate the government, and then continue to allow us to travel there. That's, that's that's huge. That's correct. Yeah, that's what that's what Safari Club International is all about. You know, uh, on on any on any platform on any stage, uh, in any country, is they're 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 there to 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 help out. And I'm sure a lot of that money that you are able to contribute to the, to those types of resources comes from some of your banquets and whatnot. I know. We've been, Mike and I and other CHA members have been to the one in, in Tucson. I think it was at either Weston La Paloma or one of the other nice resorts down there in Tucson. And then in January, I believe every year in Nashville is the huge, the huge big one, right, for SCI? The International Convention. Yeah, so last year was, uh, was the first, as hunters, we talk about years, right? Right. Uh, our, our year starts in August and ends in March, right? And so last year, um, 
the convention was a, the first time convention was in Nashville. Um, it was always it was always held in Las Vegas and Reno. Oh, that's right. And uh, Las Vegas just got too expensive. Las Vegas got too big. Uh, believe it or not, there's much bigger industries that dominate. You know, and and Vegas just kind of said, so what? You know, Reno is just too hard to get in, to fly into in and out. Um, in fact, uh, um, my ten-year-old grandson, uh, um, before he was born, I got fogged in, and I and I missed the baby shower. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> for, for my grandson, yeah. You know, and my wife's like, "Where, where are you?" You know, I said, "Well, I'm stuck in Reno." You know, <laughs> but uh, and, and so one of the one of the research is sixty-five percent of the nation's population uh, is within a four-hour drive or or. Uh, to Nashville. Really? You know, um, that was some of the stats that, that yeah. I heard at one of the board meetings. And so Nashville, you know, they welcomed SCI with open arms. This year, it, again, it's going to be, and it's July, it's January, like January 31st through February 4th, something like that. Um, I have a booth there, but I I'll, I know the dates, but not off. Right. Know, yep. But and, uh, end of January. Yep. Yeah, the end of January. And it's a huge show. It looked uh, big. It, it it really is. Uh, it's not as big as that one in Harrisburg where it's 10 days, you know, but uh, it's a great show. Um, you know, you, you'll meet everybody in the industry, you know, worldwide, um, whether it's guns, knives, hunts, outfitters, clothing. Uh, it's all there. That's great. Yeah, it's a great, great time. It's a great educational piece, you know. Yeah, we're always willing to learn, young or old. We we're never stop learning, right? And right. being there and hearing other perspectives or getting to meet somebody in the industry or just, you know, maybe meeting somebody from SCI that's that you may not be able to from your state and convey something that's on your mind. I mean, there's so many people it, it looked like. I, it would be a dream to go there one day um, wherever it's held at because of, the importance of it and the, the money generated it looks like they have a lot of good times too, uh, partying it up and, and, and <laughs> having some, having a lot of good fun at, at some of those live auctions and the chance to win some really big hunts too, that you may not be able to afford also. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, all the years that I've gone to convention, you know, whether, uh, last year was my first time having a booth, but, going as a, as a region rep and going as, as president of the Arizona chapter and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, you meet a lot of celebrities in the industry, you know, the one that comes to mind a lot is Jim Shockey, you know, he's, yep. he's big there and, and super nice guy. Um, and then, I mean, one year and I think it was in Reno, uh, George Bush senior was, was cruising around the, wow. the aisles there. And, you know, and those bigger celebrities like that, that have, yep. they have uh, security detail with them, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, all of a sudden, you know, the, the aisle, they kind of start parting the sea, you know, and, and then you just know someone big is coming or by, you know. Yep. So exactly. It's fun, though. It's, it's interesting to see, you know, and, and it's interesting to see, um, you know, a lot of the, a, a, a lot of the, uh, um, the classes that they have, the, the you know, um, you know, they might talk about elk hunting. Um, I mean, they even have some, you know, on reloading, you know, um, a lot of the authors there. Craig Boddington is, a, you know, he always has a booth there and he's accessible to talk to. And, 
um, some of these gun writers, you know. Um, Craig and his daughter are huge, are really big SCI supporters. Yes. Based yeah. on their shows and magazine mm-hmm. articles and a lot of the stuff that they do are are very, very proud of their partnership with SCI. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, yeah, it's big. That's true. Then you guys are going to have your f- banquet here too, right? In Phoenix, yeah. we're going to have a, a local one here in the metro P- Phoenix area, the Valley. Yes. Yeah, so I just uh, I just signed a contract with the uh, DoubleTree Hotel, which is it's in Tempe, right off of uh, right off of I ten there, where all the construction is. Uh, yep, yep, that Broadway curve. Yeah, yep. yeah. Hopefully they'll clear some of that up. But uh, so the guys here on the board um, that know that know Phoenix better than I do, um, they talked about you know the DoubleTree there because it's according to them it's more centrally located. You know Which the freeways. I-10s there, the 60s there, um, you know, the 202, I guess, drops by, you know. Yep. So so we, we did, we met with uh, with the uh, the, cater, the the guy in charge there at the Doubletree, and uh, we went over the, the details and stuff. So the banquet's going to be August 10th, and uh, we were able to secure um, a better room rate also. Um, we want to sell it as, as a staycation, you know. I mean, if you're in North Phoenix or way out this way, you know, yep. maybe take the family down. They have a pool and, and you know, make a, make a weekend out of it, yeah. you know. Absolutely. Um, doors will probably, you know, we'll have the doors open at four. Dinner, it'll be a sit-down dinner. Um, I, I think it's going to be a sit-down dinner. Um, it'll be at six o'clock and then we'll have a live auction. And, of course, we'll have a silent auction and we'll have bucket items. Nice. And uh, we try to make it a family affair. Uh, we want to have some items for women, you know, for the wives to win yeah. and, and, uh, and usually some stuff for kids, you know, that's great. And one of the main things is everybody wants to win a gun. Of course. <laughs> oh, yeah, you gotta love the gun. Yeah. Well, if yeah. you're in about Mexico, there might have to be a, a Mexico trip donated, right? <laughs> Go down there and those big old coos deer down there in Mexico. <laughs> well, Eddie, Eddie's pretty good at twisting my arm on that Eddie Corona from OE4A and, uh, I donated uh, Gould's turkey hunt. Oh, so you do Gould's and, too then? We do Gould's turkey, yes. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. We do all four species down there. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. So, um, you have any experience hunting the, um, what are they, the oscillated in central Mexico or way down south? That's that's down on the Yucatan Peninsula. I, I don't, uh, but I... I have a guy that, that the chapter that I formed in Sonora, um, Irwin's Ronquillo, who's a big SCI supporter. Um, he's the, uh, he's the chapter secretary. He has two outfitters that he works with. And so if anybody's interested, uh, um, I, I'd like to go down there myself and, and, and hunt one of those, but I'm not going to have time this year, this coming spring, but, uh, I can, I can set someone up with the, with Irwin's. We love our turkeys. If you want your world slam, you got to get in contact so you can go down to the Yucatan and, and get yep. your oscillator. <laughs> Chet's got the itch. I'll oh yeah. Say if there was one hunting itch, it is the turkey itch. So have you have you hunted ghouls? No, no we haven't. That's on our. You haven't drawn that, huh? No. Nope. I'm over twenty points and I keep putting in. So sooner or later, I'm going to get drawn. Well, you know, you guys are residents, so I I have yeah. a I have a client out of Alaska, and. And you know, and he has to buy that that his license for 160 bucks every year. Yeah. And and I told him, I said, why don't you just go hunt ghouls with me in Mexico? You know, and he, hell, you can shoot too. You know, and 
And he's like, no, no. I And I think he's like at 26 points now. Oh, wow. I know. Know? So and tough. he still I hasn't drawn a goal. I know. It's, I know. I'm right there with him. I'm waiting. <laughs> and we had a buddy, or, or he's a member of CHA, um, Abel, and his son, Junior, kid got it, put in with the adult uh, draw, not even on a youth hunt because they don't have them for Goulds and got it with two points. Yep. You just don't know, right? Kind of like yeah. playing the lottery. Yeah. You, you can't win if you don't play. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So. Yeah, we well. love our turkey. We love all the species, but <clears throat> a Goulds would be top of the list uh, just because it's so hard. I mean, they're only here, Mexico, and probably a small portion of New Mexico, I would imagine. I don't even know if they're there. I don't know if they have them in New Mexico. I haven't heard. I don't think so. Just no. here in just here, here in, in Mexico and Sonora, and, and that is the Gould's capital. They do have them in Chihuahua. Okay, that I do know because um, I know an outfitter that moved from Sonora over there. But those ranches I have down there, man, it, it's it's just a, it's incredible how many birds there are. Wow. They're much bigger, well, not much bigger, but they're big. The biggest species, the biggest subspecies out of all of them, and then I've heard that they're very receptive to calls, right? Yeah, they are. Um, and one of the things that, that, you know, my wife said, you know, she likes to hunt on occasion. And she says, I want to I want to hunt a turkey. And so I put her in, you know, one year here. And she's like, well, I didn't get drawn. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to take you down to the ranch in Mexico. And uh, and I took her down there and, and uh, she ended up shooting just this giant turkey. And, uh, and Steve Comis is a friend of mine who is the publisher for SCI. And they have SEI magazine, and then they have the newsletter. And I sent him the picture, and he put it on the front cover of the newsletter. That's cool. <laughs> I'll have it. to show you guys yeah, this picture. Let's see it. It's just let's a see it. giant, giant, beautiful bird. Oh. God, they're, they're really pretty. I, You know, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a fun hunt, you know. I love it. Love it, love it, yeah. love it. Yeah. So if people need to get a hold of you or are wanting to reach out to the Phoenix chapter uh, to whether to volunteer, whether to donate, how can they do that? Well, they can reach me on my cell phone, um, which I always have, and I can give you that number, uh, 520-490-8367. And then my email for the chapter is bboido, that's B-B-O-I-D-O at gmail.com. Awesome. Um, like we said, SCI is a huge conservation organization. Um, they have lobbyists. They have people that are on the front line in D.C. and all these other countries and here in all 50 states working with Game and Fish, Department of Natural Resources, whatever is in charge of maintaining the wildlife species and governing the wildlife species and hunting regulations in your state. Rest assured that someone from SCI has your vested interest and are fighting the good fight for you in order to keep your God-given rights as a hunter. Um, if you've never been down to Tucson and seen the the museum, they got every species that you could think of down there, and that's where SCI's headquarters is at. So I encourage anybody to go down there. Um, Mikey? And the last thing I was going to say is youth. I think that's one thing that, that – most people don't realize when they hear SCI, it's not about the, our youth and impacting our youth and our next generation. And through that, it's a family organization. I think there, there's a misunderstanding that SCI is just, it's only for Africa and overseas and all these other places, but it's actually an American foundation of, of what we talk about as it relates to conservation. And through that conservation, it means 
Let's let's unite our families. Let's bring our kids. Let's, let's impact them because I know you guys donate a lot of money and a lot of time in the name of kids and families. And that's why all your banquets are always open to family. It's like a family environment, as you discussed. So that's correct. And you know, and, and last year was the fiftieth anniversary uh, of SEI. Um, it was founded in 1972 by a gentleman named name of C.J. McElroy. And believe it or not, his first, he started it in uh, Orange County, California. Interesting. Uh, Interesting. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, you think of California and you're yep. like, really? You know, yeah, but exactly. uh, um, yeah, he started it in California, in Orange County, California. And, uh, and, uh, and then he moved headquarters to Tucson. And, uh, and if you've ever been down to the museum down there, they have one big room. That, and those are all his trophies. Wow. Um, C.J. McElroy. And, uh, Which room is that? It's the big room. It's, it's, it's With all the species, all of the, the, species the alligator yeah. that's on the floor. And yeah, that, and then you can walk underneath the, uh, the giraffe. Yeah. Yeah, that's his, that's his Holy room. Cow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and you know, and the museum not, is not only, um, it's not only, you know, trophies, but it's educational. Absolutely. Um, there was a Richard White was uh, the curator of the museum a few years back, and he approached us with uh, he did a, a a presentation, a display on on antelope um, and the evolution of, of of the different antelope type. And so the Arizona chapter put up five thousand uh, dollars for that, and he brought in uh, different skulls, and uh, and you know they sure look different, you know maybe a hundred years ago or something. I don't know the exact information on it, but I remember the display and stuff and it was pretty interesting, you know, and, and, uh, and then some of the chapters too, I didn't mention is some of the chapters have, um, they have a mobile unit uh, where it's a semi trailer and, uh, and they'll go out to schools uh, or shows uh, like, uh, like fairs and stuff where they have taxidermy and they have, you know, they have antlers and they have horns and they have skins, you know, the different kinds. So the kids, so people can feel them and touch them and, and, and educate themselves. Hmm. You know, it's amazing how many people don't understand that antlers drop off, you yep, know, it's true. And, and, and horns don't. Correct. You know, so all that, you know, that educational part of it. And that's what the museum is too. It's, it's, it's very hands-on for the kids. And in the summertime, they have a lot of a lot of camps and stuff too for kids. You know, that's great. Yep, that's my great. kids have been there a couple times. We've we've taken them on a couple field trips, and I always find something new to look at down there. It, you know, it's it's neat to see the desert museum, but the wildlife museum is more educational. Mm-hmm. It really is. You know, a lot more animals. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yep. yep. Mikey, do you want to close us out? All right. Lord God, we're just uh, so thankful, Lord. We come together, Lord, and, and learn about your creation even more, Lord. And we just thank you for this 50 years of SCI, Lord, making a difference in the world as it relates to uh, as good stewards as you entrusted us, Lord. And, and I just ask that you would uh, bless SCI another 50 years of being the the fourth most you know, um, leader as it relates to conservation across this world, Lord. And I just that bless, ask you bless all their members, Lord. Bless their leadership, Lord, and just help them in, in all the things they do, Lord. And also, Lord, we just uh, thank you for this time of season in December, Lord. And we just wish everybody a Merry Christmas, Lord, because we know that Christmas is the foundation of of, which, of of you, Lord, and your image. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.